Good afternoon. This is podcast number three in our series of Club Insights. My name's Jim Kent. Delighted to be seated opposite Mr. Revel Wood, who's been in the financial sector for more than 20 years, working at global brand names such as Bank of New York, Schroeder's, Northern Trust and RBS. More recently, he was the global chief executive of Fundrock and an independent director before founding One Group Solutions, an investment management company providing services to asset managers. Revel, good afternoon. Good afternoon, Jim, and delighted to be here with you. Thank you for inviting me along and uh, yeah, very exciting topic. So thank you, Jim. Now, well, let's get straight down to business. Of course, you cannot avoid the topic of ESG. It seems to be everywhere right now. From, from your perspective, how important is it that the funds industry takes action on ESG? Great question, Jim. But I think uh, it's a more broader question. How important is ESG fundamentally? And and uh, if we watch the news this morning or recently, the US back in the game after a te- temporary lapse of reason. So um, great to see, you know, that coming together, the, the targets being set by 30, uh, 2030, you know, uh, doubling the targets set by Obama. So I think there's no question. This is the future of our next generation, the kids, and, and, and so we have no choice. But like many things, to implement change, I think the finance and the funds industry has a key role to play. And this is on the premise that you've got to follow the money. People, you know, philosophies and ideas can be debated forever. When there's money involved, things change. So if firms, you know, um, if you follow the money chain, uh, firms looking to bring investment in, get new investment, um, this will fundamentally change behavior if they can't get investment and and raise capital uh, because they're not meeting certain sustainability requirements and and criteria, which is now being implemented by regulation. But back to the point, the the key driver will not be the regulation, but will be that flow of money, attracting those funds and and staying in business and being able to then, you know, develop and grow. Those that act fast and swiftly and are able to to adapt uh, with culture and philosophy, I think will prosper. And I think this is a very exciting time. But okay, you talk about follow the money, but there's a whole chain of follow the money. Um, Do you think that actually this is, uh, we talk about regulatory driving change or the investors themselves or is it the portfolio managers who make decisions about where to put the money? Who, who's actually driving change? So, so ultimately, um, the, the investors will drive the change. So th- there's more awareness. So, and, and I'm not talking about uh, the mom and pops or you and I. It's the global pension scheme. So, and, and already, this is where culture will change. Uh, you know, we're already looking internally. Where do we allocate our, our pensions? Is our pension, my personal pension, I will look to see is this investing now. I, I'm a little guy. If that's going uh, across, you know, the whole spectrum of you know the millennials and and the next generation, they will look very closely where where their pensions. By the very nature, those global big sovereigns, the big um, uh, global pension schemes, they will start to have compliance requirements more driven by regulation, but that'll drive the flow of the money. I I sit on uh, and and I'm involved in a number of private capital boards and and I'm really uh, pleased to see, you know, in some of the deals now, there's discounts on on loans or, or, or private equity type deals. There's an ESG 
discount. So if if the the party, the target company, shows that they have a a good, robust, uh, socially responsible, uh, environmental, social, and governance process, uh, and they can demonstrate good change, they then, as a result, get uh, a discount on those investments on the on the on the loan rates or or, or, or the capital raise. So 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 you're seeing some real change. I see that I see that happening, and I didn't see that two years ago. So that's that's great. You know, the fund industry. Um, it, it's a, a, a $100 trillion industry worldwide. This, they, they can, and, and the size that the, that fund industry can make, and that's one element. There's, you know, there's, there's a whole lot of other elements. We are in the fund industry, but there's the banking and all that. And, and the final piece I'll just say, again, about following the money, you know, um, and a, a less positive, uh, uh, but, but uh, uh, absolutely required is, and I know it's an, an, uh, a word that is overused, AML, uh, uh, the fight against uh, t- uh, terrorism or financial crime uh, and money laundering. But that's been, again, uh, you know, pushed to the banks and the financial industry because that's, again, a, a follow the money. And I think uh, the, the, on a lesser co- compliance, but more of a, you know, making a positive impact on change, I think the same will apply longer term for ESG. This is not going to be a tick-the-box exercise uh, by the managers. The managers will have to meet their investor requirements by investing. And and if they're doing only a tick-the-box exercise and they get caught out and they've uh, greenwashed this, That'll have very negative uh, impacts on their long longevity of their business. Well, it's interesting. We'll talk about greenwashing a little bit later on, but for sure that's something that the regulator will be keeping their eyes open for. Uh, I mean, you are in the compliance business in a way. Um, what, what sort of challenges are asset managers facing right now? So, great, great question, Jim, and, and, and slightly broader. We, we're in the fund management business and we're in a governance solutions business. Of course, we, one, one of them is the compliance, uh, uh, one of the business lines is compliance. And I think the, the, the challenge is, you know, there's a lot of disclosure requirements with the level one coming out. Then, of course, we've got uh, in, in next year, the level two coming out and, and, and that's going to, the challenge will be the data, first of all, um, the workflows and, and ensuring that uh, and this is a little bit my concern we turn what is a great initiative I think this is such an exciting time and opportunity for the finance industry to uh, uh, impose or, 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 or make a real impact a real impact on the sustainability of our planet on the future of uh, you know looking after people in society whether it's governance whether it's a social responsibility and getting rid of uh, you know uh, modern slavery which is rife still uh, and and human rights uh, inequality around the, especially in the emerging world we can make real real change. But my real concern, back to your question, is this becomes a, a, complain, a compliance, not complaints, compliance paper exercise where people are filling out forms, ticking boxes and gathering data. And, and, and I think there's opportunity, and I know we'll come on to it, for, uh, for places like Luxembourg where there's a lot of innovation in terms of um, technology, blockchain, uh, you know, innovation to ensure that this doesn't end up just being a regulatory compliance exercise, but really an impact exercise, uh, and and supported by uh, you know the 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 requirements to report, etc. Um, back but to can, the, okay. Yeah. Can I just gently yeah. challenge you on that? Yeah, because yeah, sure. 
I mean, I love your optimism, but I'm sure there are some people in the financial sector in their minds who are still 100% focused on getting the best returns. So, and so. They, their interpretation of ESG and the reporting is it's a cost. Sure, sure. So, so, and, and I think that is probably 90% of the market view at the moment because, you know, when, when we're in the middle of something, it's a lot of work for a lot of folks. Um, you know, there's the updating of the prospectuses, updating of the fund documents, uh, working through and ensuring that you've now got teams who are uh, looking at how to analyze data to in invest. There's a lot of costs. And, and we know that in, in, the, in the funds industry and across uh, in the, the globe, I suppose, in many industries, there's been margin pressure. So, uh, I, you know, if I'm sitting as a pure portfolio manager or, or fund manager, uh, not a, a service provider like ourselves, yes, this is, is not appealing in the short term because it, it's driving up costs, it's driving up uh, resource needs, it's requiring investment in technology, in processes, in, in new data uh, feeds from, from the large uh, data providers, uh, and, and probably within, in the very short term, not seeing maybe the, the long term. But having said that, again, uh, I'd love to name them because I think there's uh, uh, firms that are doing great work. I sit on a, a couple of large usage boards and, and have gone through the journey with the, the managers. Uh, and and these, some of these managers have a, a 10, 20, 30 year view and, and they're very much not greenwashing. They are very much looking at the, the long-term benefit and sustainability benefit. And I think if you've got, again, back to that culture and mindset, if you see what we try and do long-term, then, then it's a short-term pain. But I agree with you, there's costs, uh, uh, effort, uh, disclosure, and, and a, a whole lot of stuff that's got to be done in the short-term, Jim. Revel, that was absolutely fantastic. That's the end of part one of ESG with Revel Wood. Thank you for joining us at today's Club Insights podcast. If you like this, you can tune into future podcasts wherever you find them at Spotify, Apple Music, or also at paperjam.lu. And if you'd like to join the Paper Jam and Delano Business Club, simply send an email to club at paperjam.lu. A big welcome back. This is number four in our season of Club Insights podcast. I'm sitting opposite Revel Wood. We're talking about ESG in the fund industry. Now, let's just talk about change, what it, what it possibly could look like. Um, who do you think in the mix of different financial providers, who is really staring at, at meaningful change right now? I mean, do we imagine... I'll give you an, an illustration. For example, let's say that um, portfolio managers desperate to uh, make 
smart strategic choices in their placements, uh, they might have to radically change because they will need so much more data than they have up to this point. Do, do you think the portfolio managers will be changed if we were having this conversation in, say, five or ten, ten years' time? Jim, I don't think uh, anybody would have introduced it themselves. Uh, and I should have said thank you, Jim, for the, the opportunity to speak today. But yeah, I don't think anyone would have, you know, just done this, brought this upon themselves. No portfolio manager. Uh, they, uh, that's not entirely true. There have been uh, impact managers and ESG managers, particularly if you go further north into the Nordics, who have been, you know, aware of the, the climate risk for many years and have started. But but I would say broadly, regulation needed to come in to drive the change. I don't think this is something that one would volunteer for naturally. You know, from a pure portfolio fund management world perspective, things work. So so why why break something that works? However, um, you know, we become, and it's been disputed, uh, and I don't think there's any dispute anymore whether about the the world heating up, uh, climate change. Uh, my one concern is there's a lot of focus on E in the ESG, uh, less, uh, very little on the S some on the G. So on the governance, you've seen, uh, and again, great examples by, and I think I can quote them because they've been in the press, like the big ETF managers, BlackRock, Schroders, and you know some of the, uh, the big ETF managers driving change in terms of uh, um, a, a few years ago, uh, uh, automatic rifles after shootings in the US, or, 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 or voting on executive pay, or the diversity of the board. And, and, and so I think there's been focus on the E and the, and the G, far less, which is a little bit of a concern on, on, on the S. But is it, isn't that because investors, you can sh- they realise that icebergs are disappearing, yeah. they realise that deserts and terrible weather atrocities are... But the, S fre- is, the frequency of them, it's far more visible, yes, yes. The S piece, you're right, but I think, you know, if I just draw, and, and I'm going off uh, at a tangent a little bit here, but we've been in COVID for whatever it is, just a, a year, 12 months, and, and I think we haven't seen the social impact on mental health uh, and and that and and so that's part of the social uh, the well-being of our people that you don't have burnouts at work um, you know and 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 the the really important one having come from South Africa and an apartheid regime you know if if you look at the fact that modern slavery still is allowed to th- thrive people you know human trafficking as as wars have broken out in, in across the middle east and other uh, uh, regions the the proliferation we see it all the time these boats going to italy human trafficking is a massive issue it just doesn't get airtime from the esg perspective no one makes the link between the social modern slavery and human rights piece and and i think there's and some, do you think funds have got a role to play there too with, uh, well funds have a role to play in the whole ESG, it comes back to uh, follow the money, uh, you know. So, but but I think I'm not saying we should change focus. We can't boil the ocean in a day. So, or we can't boil the ocean. Um, we can't fix this in a day. So, I think that the focus is in the right areas for now. Let's do make sure that there is positive change, uh, particularly on the climate issue. I mean, some people say that one of the challenges with social issues is that the re- the outcomes are very hard to measure. So 
if you are trying to create some sort of KPI for the improvement in healthcare, for example, in sub-Saharan Africa or India or something like that, it's hard, hard to judge. Therefore, it's hard to measure the actual results of the funds that are being invested in, in, in that space. Um, of course, diversity is an interesting issue that's been uh, talked about a, a lot. Um, do you feel, have we now reached an end point? Are you satisfied, for example, with the level of women on boards? I, I don't think anyone can say they're satisfied, Jim. Uh, you, you just need to still look at the stats and, and this, you know, across the boards that, uh, that I see, the, the, the percentage of women representation is still very low. I, but I, I do think, you know, this is one of the challenges. You know, there is requirements and, and, and in certain states they're starting to set quotas and and I think, you know, back to my uh, uh, South Africa apartheid story, you, we, you had to put quotas to, uh, you know, rebalance the imbalances of the past. I think it's right for a time. I think, you know, that has to be done for a period, you know, uh, um, you know using my, my history as an example, 30 years on, quotas, you know, one can question whether that becomes reverse discrimination. Back to your question in terms of gender diversity on boards, we're not there yet uh, at all. So I think quotas can work. The, but the primary issue is ensuring also that, you know, that we have uh, role models and people coming up uh, uh, of, of not only gender, uh, of gender, race and ethnic diversity coming up because we talk about gender, but uh, to be honest, look at uh, the boards and see how much ethnic diversity is. Uh, it's, 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 the, the, you know, that's a bigger problem, I think. I uh, mean, Luxembourg itself is quite a Caucasian place, isn't it? It is that's indeed. That's the reality. It is an, indeed. So are we ever going to see an, an ethnic mix in boards that are domiciled here? And, and that's one of the challenges. It's the Caucasian pool, that but. Um, does that say something around the education system? Um, the, you know, because, uh, yes, in Luxembourg, but in UK, New York, front office centres, there's a much broader racial mix, but our ethnic mix, but has, uh, do we still see that in, in, in those jurisdictions? So uh, I think there's a, uh, that's a broader topic for another day. <laughs> <laughs> and I, you know what, I can also, I can feel the phone lines uh, ringing right now uh, with people on that topic. Um, now let's just review one thing that from a geopolitical perspective, this has already been a really complicated couple of years because we've seen the departure of the UK from the EU. Um, from your perspective, uh, do you see Luxembourg still having a, a strong role in the funds industry going forward or could London sort of take our place? I, I, I don't see the latter. Um, uh, so London has to com continue to focus on where it's it's always been great and this is the front office the trading the brokerage the portfolio management the front office uh, you know places like Switzerland I don't think Luxembourg or Ireland really, but have tried to capture some of that front office business, uh, set up little wonderful villages, Pfefferkorn in, in the uh, you know in the Swiss Alps. But I, I, I don't think that will ever be challenged. But then on the contrary, to really compete as a, a, a fund domicile with the likes of 
Ireland and Luxembourg. I think that's a very difficult thing to do once you're outside the EU bloc, you know, and, and you know, there's still views that maybe they'll get a, all sorts of equivalents, etc. I don't see the EU ever really allowing that. Why would they? And so Luxembourg will continue to prosper without a question. So the USITS managers have all moved. The AFIM said, we'll wait and see. Uh, and, and suddenly we see movement from the beginning of this year because the, the hard Brexit happened uh, in the end. Um, the, the 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 idea of waiting for private placement and reverse solicitation, they realize that's not as sustainable. So I think there's still a huge shift of opportunity in the private capital space. And, 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 and that uh, aligned with uh, some trends that Luxembourg will prosper. You know, it's built a very strong toolkit and foundation and, and, and uh, uh, um, a group of expertise, wrong, not a great word, but, but the, the, the infrastructure for private capital far, you know, years ahead of places like Ireland where they've just introduced the limited partnership. So the private capital piece private equity real estate debt infrastructure there's massive opportunity for growth but, but we haven't but for example some people thought we might see a wave of front office operations come here from london that hasn't happened either i always think that's uh, i always think that'll never happen I, I i don't see how anyone ever thought that you could create a front office environment you know our dna is is a, a, a global well oiled 30 40 year old infrastructure around the back office i don't see how you know you can cha start to change overnight and and let's do what we're good at and let's do it better and and so there's there's incredible areas for growth and some of this should be pan-european uh, or, or, or broader if we look at just a, again what's topical covid so we've come back um you know uh, our ability to uh implement remote working and, and technology, the innovation, sorry, about back to ESG, blockchain, the amount of innovation in Luxembourg uh, and, and driven innovation around, and let's stick to what we know, back office processing. If we can become efficient around the data gathering, the workflows process, so that people in ESG, as I said earlier, um, are not spending their time filling out forms and, and, and ticking compliance boxes, but really making Im an impact on the future of our environment that we live in, the future of our planet and, 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 and the social impact of the next generation. And if we do that well, and I think Luxembourg does that incredibly well. The final piece, back to COVID, two things, the remote working, but the other thing is, you know, and, and here, I'll be frank, I think Europe have failed. The US are writing a $2 trillion check. We've written 700 and hardly uh, amongst 27 countries and it hasn't gone anywhere. You know, if that investment in regenerating the economy and, and went into infrastructure projects and, and more importantly, sustainable infrastructure projects, you know, uh, places like Luxembourg, again, you know, have the, the toolkit, the the expertise to really drive that. And so I do believe private capital uh, growth, infrastructure growth, and others will continue to, uh, uh, Luxembourg will continue to thrive and grow. You sound like quite a fan of Luxembourg. I love Luxembourg. So I, I, I left South Africa in 98, loved Luxem uh, London for 11 years. They say when you get tired of London, you're tired of life. I must be getting old. And we moved here and I fell in love with Luxembourg. And uh, this is home. So you think you're going to stay here through to your own retirement? And long beyond. Uh, yeah, very good. Brilliant. Revel, it's been great having you with us today on the Club Insights podcast. Thank you very much. 
Thanks, Jim. Always a pleasure. And as you started earlier, and I love the word, it was groovy to see you again and groovy being here. That was a Revel Word from One Group Solutions. Thank you for joining us at today's Club Insights podcast. If you like this, you can tune into future podcasts wherever you find them at Spotify, Apple Music, or also at paperjam.lu. And if you'd like to join the Paper Jam and Delano Business Club, simply send an email to club at paperjam.lu.